When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Dan Lobby. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, before we get into this podcast, I have to let you know this is actually part two of our Hey Mary Kay podcast that I promised you all the way back on Tuesday. But unfortunately, some things got in the way. We wanted to put up the Joe Thomas interview, and then also the Browns hired a new defensive coordinator. So we had to focus on that as we went through the week. But here is part two of the Hey Mary Kay podcast. This was recorded on Monday. So you'll hear some defensive coordinator talk. It was recorded before Jim Schwartz was hired, but it doesn't really change the content of what we talk about. So here we go. The Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Friday, part two of Hey Mary Kay. Continuing our Hey Mary Kay podcast, a special bonus, uh, part two. If you missed the podcast from Monday, that'll be right in the uh, the feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, so go check that out. So now we talked a lot about the defensive coordinators in that podcast. This one, uh, we're going to get into some personnel. We're going to look back on the weekend of playoff games. But Mary Kay, I want to start here. Mike from Chester, Maryland. This is a name that came up. Uh, Jordan Schultz uh, reported that the... Cardinals uh, could be shopping DeAndre Hopkins. So Mike, Mike in Chester, Maryland says, Hey, Mary Kay, should the Browns aggressively pursue DeAndre Hopkins, who of course will also note was a very successful teammate when he was playing with Deshaun Watson. You know what? I don't know what they would have to offer for, for a DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know what you would do when you don't have a first round pick in 2023 or a first round pick in 2024. I mean, you know, you'd have to be giving up Miles Garrett or, you know what I mean? You'd have to be giving up Nick Chubb or Denzel Ward or something like that. I don't know what they have to offer uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. Now, if you had the draft capital, then certainly I would be all for it. I think they need another amazing Pro Bowl caliber receiver. I really do. Uh, and he would obviously fit the bill. And as you mentioned, he's got a great history with Deshaun Watson. They already have their chemistry down. Uh, And so from that standpoint, it would fit. But I just don't know what you would be able to give up in compensation that would make this make sense. Yeah, that's that's the one problem that I've I've come across. Like, I just I don't think he goes for less than a first round pick. Now, he is going to be 31 in June. So maybe that makes it so I don't know, maybe that would lower the compensation, but it's still hard for me to believe that he would go for anything less than something that involved a first round pick or at least a really good player. Um, so I, I don't know that the Browns could do that, but I will say there's been this, 
this thing I've seen on Twitter and I've heard people say it like DeAndre Hopkins wouldn't be a fit here. And I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> I just think like, I understand like, yes, you want to add somebody who's, who's speedy, who, who maybe is a different body type than Amari Cooper. And like, I understand all that, but as far as I'm concerned, DeAndre Hopkins is a really good wide receiver still. And if you have, if you would have a chance to go add a really good football player, especially one who's played with and had success with your franchise quarterback, uh, I think that would be a no-brainer. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I absolutely think so. Um, You know, you can make styles work, even if guys are, you know, too similar to each other. I mean, if you've got uh, two, if you had Hopkins and Amari Cooper on the field at the same time, it doesn't matter, you know, who's got this skill set or who's got that skill set. They're going to make plays for you. They're going to go out there and they're going to make amazing catches for you. And that is what is so vitally important uh, in today's NFL and in, you know, today's high flying explosive passing games. And that's what uh, Deshaun Watson needs more of. I mean, we saw some amazing catches over this wild card weekend. Right. And, and it just reinforced for me that you really need those guys out there uh, to make those incredible plays. Okay, so let's go. Uh, let's go down that road here. I'm going to find the question. Um, I was going to save this one, but since you brought up uh, Wild Card Weekend, let's go to this question, and it comes from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, what can the Browns learn, if anything, after watching Week One of the of the playoffs? We're recording this on Monday, so we've seen all but one uh, all but one playoff game to this point. Uh, we're recording this before Dallas and Tampa Bay, but Mary Kay, what? What is there to learn for Browns and Browns fans from that first weekend? Well, there are a couple things that stood out in my mind. First of all, you really do have to be able to stop the run, especially in this AFC North. Uh, I, I think that Baltimore is going to be very, <coughs> excuse me, run oriented for a long time. And uh, they were running through Cincinnati's little feeble arm tackle attempts yesterday for much of the game. That can't happen. I mean, you cannot get run all over. So I think that's going to need to change, obviously, for the Cleveland Browns. Um, And then, again, I do think you have to keep pushing the envelope and keep having really good receivers. Um, Obviously, you've got to be able to affect the quarterback and get to the quarterback. A mobile quarterback is so vitally important, so vitally important. It helps neutralize the pass rush, but you've got to get rid of the ball quickly. I mean, Deshaun is going to have to get rid of the ball a lot quicker than he did. You can't get sacked seven times the way that he did uh, in that Pittsburgh game, but he's got to be comfortable with what he sees when he looks out there. So you've got to supply him with more pass catchers, more talent, more ability. um, And, you know, everybody's got to block, you know, everybody's got to be in on some really, really good blocking, uh, picking up the blitz, downfield blocking. Those are some things that stood out. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing, of course, the one of the big takeaways is, you know, it, it you have got to, you just because you get into the tournament, it doesn't mean anything is, is given. I mean, you have got to fight to the death every single minute. You cannot just show up there and think that because you won, 12 games or 13 games that you are advancing out of this round. You have to start fast and you have to be on point from the minute you hit those playoffs. And uh, yeah, those were some of the biggest things. 
Yeah, and, and just sort of looking at those games, um, I, I mean, I'm just thinking of the head coaches that advanced, right? So Kyle Shanahan, um, and obviously, look, some of the coaches that lost, I think, are really good. Like Pete Carroll, I think, is a really good coach. Uh, but like Kyle Shanahan and what he's been able to do with Brock Purdy and that offense. Um, Doug Peterson, like, he he just is who he is. Like, he is unabashedly Doug Peterson, and he's going to go for it on fourth down a bunch. It's not even like an analytics thing all the time. It's just like, you know what? I go for it on fourth down a lot, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for two when a, an extra point would put me within a field goal. I'm going to go for two so I can win with a field goal. It's just sort of, he's kind of the new the new riverboat Ron in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, Mike McDaniel showed up, and, and they pushed Buffalo to the brink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, you know, I know John Harbaugh certainly had some issues at the end of that game uh, against Cincinnati with, with clock management and whatnot. But that, I mean, that team showed up and they fought with Tyler Huntley at, at quarterback against a really good Bengals defense. Um, I, I was just impressed. And then of course, Brian Dable, our, our buddy, Brian Dable um, and, and what he's done with the giants. I, I think this was kind of a, a big weekend for, for coaching. And like, you know, coaching really can and does matter. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I agree with you on that. And it really stood out uh, and, you know, along those same lines that, I mean, you're getting Skylar Thompson ready to play. You're getting Tyler Huntley ready to play in a playoff game. You're getting um, Brock Purdy. I mean, that to me was incredible. And it also made me realize, you know, it, it, there's just no excuse for the Browns winning seven games this year. Like you, it didn't have to be like that. There, there was no excuse for it. Uh, they should have achieved at least, at least two more victories. At least uh, they should have been able to win nine games. They should have been in the playoff conversation right up until the final week. And, you know, as you said, some of that comes down to coaching. Some of it comes down to personnel, uh, but this organization, with everything that it has in place, should have been able to find a way to win nine games. Yeah, there, there's no reason that that game in Pittsburgh in Week 18 shouldn't have been for a playoff berth for the Browns, too. Like, that right. game should have meant something. And then you watch this weekend, and, and like you said, you see what these teams have done in sometimes less than ideal circumstances to just figure out a way. And I, I think these division games are really – when you have to play a team for a third time, I think it's always going to be a challenge – like Miami, Buffalo, and and uh, Cincinnati, you just know each other so well. Like it's so hard to to have to play a team for a third time. But I, it's just like <laughs> to see Baltimore go in there and play that funky kind of mucked up style and almost steal that game is it, it really is sort of like man, why couldn't the Browns have done this? I I mean, I think the Browns are a more talented team than the Baltimore Ravens, uh, especially with Tyler Huntley. And the fact that they had to sit and watch two of their AFC North foes play on Sunday night, it, it should have made some people angry, including people in that building. Yeah, it should have. And hopefully it did. Um, and I think it showed them, you know, some of the things that they have to do in this offseason to get it right. Uh, obviously, first and foremost, to get that defensive coordinator hire right. Uh, but one of the other things that they might consider doing um, would be to have a um, – game management specialist, like a new game management specialist. I don't know if that person needs to be upstairs or down on the field or whatever the case may be. But in the heat of the moment, you absolutely, at the end of the half and at the end of the game, you've got to be able to manage your clock, 
and manage your timeouts with the best in the business. And you have to almost be brilliant and a mathematician to do it. I mean, there's so many things that uh, that go into those decisions. And a head coach really shouldn't be left on his own to have to make some of those decisions. Uh, if that were the case, then, you know, they might have one more victory right now from the Jets game, right? Because it would be like, oh, hey, Nick Chubb just needs to go down here and the game is over, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean that—that's the one that it's like. I, I, and again, I know people get angry when when you bring that up, but that's like, I mean, again, that that was one of those. It was such a Browns thing, right? They spent that whole week. One of the topics that Kevin talked about was their teaching tape, and you know how they go around the league and they look at situations like that. And look, I think most teams do that, but you know, and then of course the irony of that is Nick Chubb scoring there. And so probably going on every single other team's teaching tape. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're going to be the situationally aware, you know, win on the edges team, you, you just can't have mess ups like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I would do that. And maybe you already have that guy. I think they've got somebody upstairs that, that handles that kind of stuff. Uh, but I would hone in on that position a little bit more and make sure that your uh, fourth down decisions uh, and your end of half, end of game decisions are incredibly sound and the best of the best. I mean, I would find the number one person that you could find that has the brain to do that and to figure that stuff out. And I would hire that person and make sure that you never screw that up. Yeah. Again, this is the, you know, this is one of the, this team is one of the top analytics teams in, in football. Mm-hmm. So you you just can't have those mis- you can't have little mistakes like that. You have that's that's where you have to be almost perfect. And I know you're never going to be perfect, but you have to be like as close as as possible if that's how you're going to build your organization. Yeah, and even on the fourth and ones, uh, you know, most of the time I'm all for you know going for it and being aggressive. Um, but you know, maybe a little bit more input put there. Maybe you don't always have to be quite that aggressive. Uh, maybe there are times where uh, you could take the three. Uh, so I do think that uh, a little bit more guidance in that regard would be helpful. All right, let's move on. Uh, this was another personnel question. Uh, this has to do with John Johnson uh, the third, and it comes from Dave in Denver. Hey, Mary Kay, will John Johnson the third be around next year? Well, I think he's a good player. He just hasn't seemed like a good fit alongside Grant Delpit. Would it make more sense to have a more true free safety slash ball hawk next to Delpit? You know, I think that John Johnson is is very versatile and I think he can do so many things. And as I do my diligence on some of these coordinators, he seems like he would be the versatile kind of, of safety that you might want in like a, a Flores type of scheme where, you know, you're going to want them to do all different kinds of things. Um, so I think he's got a really amazing skill set, but I don't know that he was able to show that here. I don't know that, uh, you know, that he was used in some of the ways that he was so effective with the Rams. Um, So I, for one, would like to see him back. And if you have to find a way to restructure the contract to make it happen so that it's a win-win where, you know, the, you lower the cap number, maybe gets a little bit more upfront money or something like that. Um, But I think something will happen with him. I don't think the status quo will remain. I don't I just don't think so. I don't think that they will unless the coordinator new coordinator comes in and says, no, he's that guy that I need. Like I have to have him. 
and here's what I'm going to do with him. And here's why he's worth $13.5 million um, of base salary this year or cap hit this year. If that happens, you know, then of course uh, they would take that under consideration. But I think you'll either see a restructuring attempt or something, something else, hopefully not, uh, you know, a release because I think he's a good quality safety. And I think there's a lot more to him than, than he's been able to show here. Yeah. I still think there's a talented player there. It obviously hasn't worked out to this point. Um, I don't know if he's going to live up to that contract and maybe that's, maybe that's a deal breaker for, for this front office, but I do think there's probably still something there. And I guess it kind of comes down to how much do they believe that, you know, changing coordinators and just bringing in a new scheme is going to unlock some of these guys. Um, And that goes for some of the young guys, but I also think it goes for a player like John Johnson. I think so too. I mean, I think player evaluation is going to be very key and crucial in the hiring of this coordinator. If, If this coordinator comes in and says, look, we really like what we're seeing. Here's what I think we can do with Alex Wright to unlock his sack potential. Here's what I think uh, we can do with JJ3 to bring him back to almost a Pro Bowl level. Uh, here's what I think we should do with Greg Newsom, even though you know he would uh, rather play outside. You know, here, Here's how we can change up his role a little bit so we are playing to his strengths a little bit more. Um, so I think that that whole evaluation of the current roster is going to loom large in the, uh, in the hiring of the defensive coordinator. And I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall and hear some of these interviews and what they're saying and how they feel about the personnel. And they've got to be honest too. Okay. They've got to be really gut level, honest about what they're seeing. You cannot take this job and overestimate the talent. If you don't think that there is enough, you know, you can't say, um, yeah, I think the all the linebackers that you have right now, if they all come back healthy, uh, that's exactly what I need. If you don't feel that way, if you think you need bigger linebackers, then you got to say, I would need bigger linebackers to run my scheme. Or uh, I need a pass rushing defensive tackle of a Pro Bowl caliber that, you know, I've got to have that guy. I mean, you have to say what you need. Do not people please in these interviews. Don't do it. You got to tell it like it is. Okay, speaking of evaluations, this comes from Ken Lieb in Westchester, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, what positions in order of importance do you believe most urgently need to be addressed this offseason? Well, I have three, and you can make a case that any one of them can be number one or number two or number three. I almost think they are of equal importance. That is the receiver that I keep on talking about. It's all well and good that you think Deshaun Watson can elevate the play of young guys such as David Bell and Michael Woods and Anthony Schwartz. But there's also plenty to be said for looking out there and seeing a couple of guys that have been there before, that have gone to the Pro Bowl, and that you know that even when they're really tightly covered, they're going to make that catch. And Donovan Peoples-Jones has come a long way and is a very key piece of this football team. But I still think you need one more Pro Bowl caliber receiver. So I've got that high on the list. I don't know if they do. I don't know if they do. But that's what I would do. Um, And then, of course, now, number two edge. I think it's a vitally important position for a number of reasons. 
And not the least of which is the fact that your number two edge can really help out your number one edge, Miles Garrett, and bring out the best in him and perhaps take a little pressure off of him and give you an opportunity to switch those guys up however you see fit. And that is the prerogative of a team and a very common thing to do. Um, so the number two edge is so vitally important and that this number two edge that you acquire needs to be able to set the edge and stop the run. Uh, and then of course the premierish type of defensive tackle in the, uh, in the mold of a pain or someone like that, who is almost a pro bowl caliber level. I would, if I had to spend my money on one of those, I, I might almost go with the defensive tackle that can rush the passer and stop the run and disrupt the quarterback to uh, to a great extent uh, because it just seems like that's what this team needs more more so than anything. But I don't know. A case can be made for the other two as well. So those are the three things I would be running out the door to get as soon as possible. Yeah, a part of me wants to be contrarian and, and be like, you know, it's more important to spend money on a wide receiver or the edge rusher because – like you said, I think you can make a case for both of those, but just this defensive tackle position is in such disarray, right? Like you just don't know what you have. Like if you could just go out and spend money and get the best defensive tackle on the market. And honestly, that's sort of what Andrew's done the last few off seasons. It's mm-hmm. like you kind of sit down and you look at it and, and you identify the most glaring need and he's gone and signed like the best guy out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't always worked, but that's what he's done. So it almost feels like it's, like he would go out there and just sign the best defensive tackle on the market if he can get him or, or one of the top guys. So it's, it's hard for me to, again, I can make an argument for either of the other two being more important, but I think it would be disingenuous. It would be a disingenuous argument. I'd have to, I, I, this defensive tackle position has to be fixed. And I don't know if maybe you can do it in the draft with the second round pick. You know, I'd listen to that argument. I don't know the draft defensive tackles all that well yet. Lance Reisland will certainly get me up to speed, but until I kind of know there's a guy they can get in that second round, I'd, I'd like to see him go spend the money on that position. Yeah. And again, like when I listened to Jerron Payne talking about wanting to get paid and all that kind of stuff, I'm thinking this is the guy, right? This is the guy you have to go out and get yourselves. And, um, you know, it's, it's gotta be somebody of that ilk, somebody along those lines that can just be amazing. And, uh, you know, I think you saw some of that in, uh, you know, in these wildcard games. I mean, if you have an amazing guy that can, you know, leap up in the middle and bat down a pass or get in the quarterback's face or get get in the backfield and stop the run or whatever the case may be, uh, you can really get a lot of mileage out of a player like that. And again, I think there will be some positions, some defensive coordinators Uh, that are being interviewed right now that will need that guy to be able to be really effective in running their scheme. Okay. Here's another playoff question. This is just somebody looking for advice. Uh, Michael Saro. Hey, Mary Kay, is it nobler to root for the Ohio team or the quarterback who was passed over for Baker Mayfield in Buffalo? This is a tough one. (laughs) That is a tough one. It's a very tough one. And of course, we know that on this podcast, we all love Joe Burrow. This is this is difficult for Browns fans. I don't know who they should root for. This is a difficult one. This is, I haven't even thought about. You know, when I sit there and I watch a game, 
even though I don't necessarily have a dog in the race, I still end up pulling for one team or another. Don't you? I mean, don't you find yourself really wanting a certain team to win? I Yeah, I do. Not all the time. But yeah, there's definitely games where it's like, I would definitely prefer, I mean, like the Vikings Giants game. I, I definitely wanted to see the Giants win that game, you know? So yeah, there's, there's definitely games where I'll, for whatever reason, I'll just want to see a team win. Yeah. I mean, I was really pulling for the Bengals yesterday, really, really pulling for the Bengals and shouting at the TV yesterday (laughs) because Joe Burrow is just too good not to be in the playoffs. You know what I mean? But I mean, you can also make a case that so is Lamar Jackson and maybe he would be uh, healthy enough to be in the playoffs, but there's just something about, you know, you can't go to the Super Bowl in, you know, 2022 and then lose in the wild card round in 2023. So I, um, so I was pulling for them. I think, Oh gosh, that's going to be a tough one for me because, you know, I, I always like to see Josh Allen succeed because I was so all about him in 2018. So I have a feeling that I might end up still kind of going that route. And then the bills have the whole DeMar Hamlin sort of, emotional thing going on and you know you kind of want that to work out well for everybody so I don't know I I might find myself pulling for uh for Josh in this game to justify uh my own thoughts on the quarterback situation in 2018 yeah this is a really tough one um I guess from a yeah I don't know I I like the bills I I think I'm probably I think if I had to pick, I would maybe pick them, but I don't know. Maybe, I mean, we have Bengals writers now. Do we have to root for them? Do we oh. have to like, do we want to, do we have to root for our Bengals writers to keep getting to cover games or oh, I don't know. You're right. Or, or maybe they're just tired. Maybe they need a break. So I, I don't know. Well, you know what, Dan, I forgot until just this very moment <laughs> that we need to be rooting for our Bengals writers. I guess so. I All guess right. that's where our loyalty has to lie. That puts a new spin on it for me. I kind of forgot about that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that aspect of it from this game. Of course, I thought about it all day yesterday when they were tweeting everything out, live tweeting during the game and doing a great job covering that game. But um, in terms of who to root for, we need to re- root for Cleveland.com. I guess so. So, <laughs> so I am Team Bengal in this game. <laughs> Forgot there we about go. That. Thank you. We we swayed we swayed Mary Kay, the uh, the consummate company woman, um, <laughs> to uh, to to root for the Bengals over Josh Allen. That that takes a it, lot. It's painful. It's very very <laughs> very painful. But you got to do what you got to do. Well, I'm glad I'm glad we could help. Uh, I get, I'm glad we could help out a little bit. Uh, and a fellow, uh, one of our football insider subscribers, figure out who to root for this week. Let's wrap up with this one. SL Smith uh, in Texas. Hey, Mary Kay, do the Browns have a culture where people are afraid to disagree with analytics? Uh, and the examples he gives are no one disagreed with small linebackers and light defensive tackles. Uh, everyone agreed with Jacoby coming off the bench and throwing a long pass on fourth down. Were they all afraid to speak up? Um. I personally don't think there is that culture. What do you think? No, I don't I don't think so. I don't think they're afraid to speak up. I think they hired people that, you know, help them. Em- they embrace the data. 
uh, Kevin Stefanski is someone, these are really smart, forward thinking people that understand the role of, of numbers and odds and data in, in coaching and building a roster and things like that. So, but no, I don't think so. I don't think they're afraid to speak up. I think that, I, I think we are still, um, kind of dealing with the perception, you know, there was a story written a couple of weeks ago that Paul D. Podesta is, you know, a huge influence in calling the plays and Kevin Stefanski just to kind of had has to abide by what he says. And I, I just think that that is so now in people's train of thought, I get questions about it all the time. I get Hey MK questions about it. I get asked about it on the radio. Uh, I hear about it on the radio. Um, you know, we, we hear about it in our dealings. And I just think it, I, I just don't feel like that is the reality of the situation with the Cleveland Browns. I think Kevin Stefanski, one of the reasons Paul D. Podesta and Andrew Berry hired him in the first place, uh, or were so on board with him in the first place, uh, was because he embraces the data or the data, however you say that. Are you a data or a data person? I, I go back and forth. Okay. It just it just kind of depends on the day. <laughs> All right. Well, today I'm data. I'm usually data. So I'm going to stick with that for now. But anyways, I think that <laughs> Kevin Stefanski embraces it. I don't think he's like, you know, sitting there wondering, what is Paul going to tell me to do here? Even on some of those gutsy fourth and one calls that he makes, I think he exceeds what analytics in, in many cases would have him do. So... I don't think I don't think that vibe is there at all. Yeah, and you know, not to sound like a a shill or or anything, but you know, analytics is it's everywhere in the NFL and people use it and it's you know, the Browns aren't unique necessarily in in how they use it and I thought Andrew Berry did do a good job of kind of explaining like analytics is data. There, see I said data. Analytics is data um and that's how they try to use it. So Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it becomes sort of a kind of a boogeyman a little bit when, when you throw out that word, but I mean, it's, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And even if you cleaned out the building next off season and brought in new people, it would still, Mm -hmm. it would still be a part of things. So um, I I think you're right. I think that that article got people riled up in the middle of a season that wasn't going very well. Um, And Things kind of went off the rails. I do think, and and the example he gives of the uh, the throw instead of the quarterback sneak in Cincinnati, I don't know if we can definitively say everyone agreed with that being the right call. Right. You know, no. I, I mean, we can't just go off what people say when they sit behind a microphone. And certainly Alex Van Pelt might have been 100% behind that call. But one way that he wasn't going to sit up there and say, nah, Kevin was wrong. That was a dumb call. <laughs> Right, You know, like, so, I mean, we can't definitively say that that was like every member of the coaching staff said, yes, let's do this. Um, so I, I just think that's kind of a bad way to, to try and make that assumption. Yeah. But for anybody to think that, um, you know, that the Browns are somehow ever going to hire an old school regime, an old school coach and kind of eschew analytics, that's not going to happen. Nobody in the NFL is going to do that these days. So, um, so as you mentioned, it's here to stay. It's probably growing in terms of influence and it's just, that's just how it is. 
Okay, that'll do it for part two of the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, as I mentioned every week, those questions come from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter. Become one of our tech subscribers and get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. And subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Spotify, uh, YouTube, Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. Search that on YouTube and you'll find our YouTube channel. Um, So get involved there as well. Lots of ways for you to consume uh, Cleveland Browns content. And of course, we mentioned the Bengals writers. They're still going cleveland.com slash Bengals. And they've got a podcast too called Strictly Stripes uh, that they do five days a week as well. So check that out if you want to keep up. Now that we've told you to root for the Bengals, you got to go listen to their podcast and read their stuff at cleveland.com slash Bengals. All right, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. 